on that day that Paul had that encounter with the living, resurrected Lord Jesus. The result of that encounter was not only that he had a new life, but at that moment, he had a new Lord. The scripture tells us that once he recognized who Christ was, then the scripture says that the apostle Paul, still Saul at that moment, but the apostle Paul asked this question. Lord, what would you have me to do? In other words, Paul was no longer the Lord, no longer the Lord of his life. He was no longer the one who was calling the shots. It was no longer about his will, but it was about the Lord Jesus' will. And that's the question the Apostle Paul uh, had the whole rest of his life. And as followers of Christ, it's the question we need to ask ourselves every single day. Now that we have a new life, then we need to recognize we have a new Lord. And for every decision we make, every direction we take in life, every demonstration of the fact that we are truly followers of Christ, it should begin with this question, Lord, what would you have me to do? You see, it's his will and it's his way. Paul not only had a new life, but he, he had a new Lord. And so he wanted to obey that Lord. And this is one of the reasons why Jesus in Luke chapter 6 and in verse 46 looked at those who were sharing the word of God with him. He said, listen, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I asked you to do? And so if you're here today, you're here this morning and, and you are professing, you are declaring, I am a follower of Christ. I have a new life in Christ. The question is, do you have a new Lord? Because let me share this with you. You cannot receive what he offers, which is salvation, without receiving him who he is, and that is the Lord. So it's not, Lord, bless what I want to do. But Lord, what is it? you have for me to do in this situation, in this situation, and in this circumstance. Lord, I'm here simply to obey you. So Paul received a new life. He received a new Lord. He received a new love as well. Just moments before this incredible encounter with Christ where he gives his heart and life to him, his heart was filled with hate. His heart was filled with resentment. His heart was filled with bitterness. His heart was filled with an unforgiving spirit. His whole drive of life was to destroy the body of Christ, would destroy the church, to, to persecute, even bring to death those who were followers of Christ. And now, all of a sudden, he has an incredibly new heart where he loves Christ. He loves the body of Christ. He loves the brothers and sisters in Christ. It's part of the new life. It's part of 
having a new Lord. And this is what the scripture says in 1 John and chapter 4. I was reading this uh, just briefly last Sunday, but I want to take you back to it today where John writes this in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. He said, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Listen to this. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. What kind of love? Well, Paul tells us about that in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Where it reminds us in this word. And he says to us, he says to us that we are to walk in love just as Christ when he laid his life down on the cross. So what kind of love is it? I can tell you one thing, it's not the love of this world. It's the love of God. Selfless, you've heard me say this. Selfless, sacrificial, redeeming love. A love that is so radical. Listen to me, brothers and sisters in Christ. All who are listening to my voice, we're talking about a radical love. We're talking about a love that was so incredibly different, so powerful in the days of the early church that the unbelievers were just in awe. Let me just use my fr a phrase my mom used to use all the time, just blew their mind. And you see, that's the witness of the church. That's the witness of a believer. And it is the, listen, the absence of this love in the body of Christ today, in the lives of believers, something that is observable, something that you don't have to tell them, oh, I've got the love of God. They see it because they experience it from us. It makes the difference. Paul had a new life. Paul had a new Lord. Paul had a new love. Paul had a new liberty. New liberty. You see, the scripture teaches us that when Jesus was ready to introduce himself as the Messiah, that he was in the synagogue reading the word of God. Listen to this carefully. And here's what he read out of Isaiah. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release uh, uh, to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He sent free those who are oppressed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Notice particularly the phrase, he has sent me to proclaim release. I like the translation that says, set the captives free. Set us free. May I declare to you today that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no hurt he cannot heal. There is no habit that he cannot deliver us from. 
There is no hang-up that he cannot resolve in their life. There is no hate that he cannot destroy and remove from our heart. There is no haughty, unforgiving spirit that he can't change and fill our hearts with that selfless, sacrificial, redeeming love. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, where the spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. There's liberty. You remember when Jesus was on his way to the cross. Before he got to Jerusalem, one of his followers, a man by the name of Lazarus, had died. So Jesus standing before his tomb, after lifting up his voice to the Father in heaven, he cried out, Lazarus, come forth. And you know, by the power of God, Lazarus walked out of that grave alive. But he wasn't free yet. He still had grave clothes on, wrapped tightly. And so Jesus turned to the servants and said, Loose him and let him go. That was a literal, incredible, supernatural act of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this is what he offers spiritually to each and every one and to anyone who, who is willing to hear and willing to see and willing to receive him as Lord and Savior. He brings you out of death. He gives you a new life with a new Lord, with a new love, with a new liberty because he says, look, I can take those grave clothes off of you. And you'll be free, free, free. We're all Lazarus. And his word to us today is, rise up. Rise up. Let me make all things new. Listen to this word through song. In the dark and all alone, growing comfortable, are you too scared to move and walk out of this tomb? Buried underneath lies that you believe, safe and sound, stuck in the ground, too lost to be found. You're just asleep, and it's time to leave. Come on, arrive. Take a breath, you're alive now Can't you hear the voice of Jesus calling us Out from the grave like Lazarus Your brand new power of death couldn't hold you Can't you hear the voice of Jesus 
your name The thing that filled your veins Is more than love the kind of love that washes sin away Now the door is open wide And the stove's been rolled aside The old is gone, the light has come So come on and rise up Take a breath, you're alive now Can't you hear the one last thing that Paul had and he received the result of his personal encounter with the Lord. Not only a new life and a new Lord and a new love and a new liberty, but a new living purpose. Scripture tells us in Acts chapter 9 that uh, he was connected with a man by the name of Ananias. And then Ananias connected him to the body of Christ, to the church that was in Damascus and later on the church that was in Antioch and it was from Antioch, from out of the church that he was sent out to share this message that we have been celebrating today. That he, yes, he died, but he rose again. And we serve and we worship a living, resurrected Lord. And it comes through the body of Christ. May I remind you that there is, there's no president that can fix this country. There's no political party that can fix this country. There's no particular movement of man that can fix this country, change our culture, change our community. Oh, we can put Band-Aids on everything, but what we can't address is the infection that is underneath that 
band-aid and it's an issue of the heart and we and we alone have the message we and we alone have the person in our own hearts and lives the Lord Jesus Christ he's the only one who can heal and change the heart but it's going to come through the church may I remind you that the church well let's say this church this is not Washington Baptist Corporation. This is Washington Baptist Church. We're not a secular organization. We are a spiritual organism. A living, breathing organism led by the spirit of the living God. This is not Washington Baptist Church Corporation. This is not Washington Baptist Church Courthouse. This is not where we judge and condemn. This is where we seek redemption. This is where we seek restoration. This is where we, we seek what only God can do in the changing of lives. This is, this is a place where people are hurting need to come, where people are having a hard time need to come, not to a secular organization, not to a corporation, not to a courthouse, but to a, a living, breathing, spiritual organism. That's why Jesus said in his letter to the churches in Revelation, if you have an ear to hear, let them hear what? The Spirit is saying to the church, not a human spirit, not what, not my spirit, not your spirit, but the Holy Spirit. And it's only when the church is truly the church and not a corporation and not a courthouse will the church be well. And when the church is well, we are the most powerful force in this world. Not because of who we are, no, no, not because of who we are, but because we serve and we worship a living, resurrected Lord and Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who sits at the right hand of the Father with all authority in heaven and all authority on this earth. And it's only when we're willing to be a living, breathing organism and being driven by the Spirit of the Lord and the Scripture of the Lord, then we can we have the answer to this country, the answer to our culture, the answer to the community that is around us. We must be well. And when we're well, we are the church triumphant. Amen? Listen to this. Listen to this song. This is our song. It's a word to us, the church triumphed.
has always had a people. Many a foolish conqueror has made the mistake of thinking that because they had driven the church of Jesus Christ out of sight, they had stilled its voice and snuffed out its life. But God has always had a people. The powerful current of a rushing river is not diminished because it's forced to flow underground. No, the purest water is a stream that bursts crystal clear into the sunlight after it's forced its way through the solid rock. There have been charlatans who, like Simon the Magician, sought to barter on the open market this power that cannot be bought or sold. But God has always had a people. Men who could not be bought and women who are beyond the purchase. God has always had a people. There have been many times of influence of affluence and prosperity when the church's message has been nearly diluted into oblivion by those sought to make it socially attractive, neatly organized, and financially profitable. It's been gold-plated, draped in purple, and encrusted with jewels. It's been misrepresented, ridiculed, lauded, and scorned. These followers of Jesus Christ have been, according to the women of the time, elevated as sacred leaders and martyred as heretics. Yet through it all, there marches on this powerful army of the meek, God's chosen people who cannot be bought, flattered, murdered, or still. On through the ages they march, the church, God's church, triumphant, alive and well. Listen, child of God, it's alive. Discouraged pastor, it's his church, and it's still alive. Lonely missionary, sow that seed with confidence. The church is still alive. Oh, saint, you're not alone and forgotten. The church is still alive. My broken-hearted friend, the church is still alive. Cynical skeptic, you have not killed God with your noisy unbelief. The church is still alive. Busy mother, keep trusting in Jesus. The church is still alive. Young student, you're not alone out there serving the Lord. Just keep looking to Jesus. The church is alive. Faithful father, there's rest in the Lord. His church is still alive. So, family of God, lift your hands. Lift up your hands and praise the Lord. The church, God's church triumphant, is alive. It's alive, my friends, alive and well. stand with me as we close in praise oh Lord God Lord Jesus Lord Jesus 
You are king of all kings. You are Lord of all lords. And in you all things are made new. We praise you. Those of us who by your grace, not deserved, but by your grace, our eyes have been opened and our hearts have been opened and we have recognized who you are, what you did for us and we have embraced you as Lord and Savior. Thank you for a new life. Thank you for a new Lord, that's you. Thank you for a new love in our hearts, a new liberty, a new living purpose as part of the body of Christ, your church. Lord, may Washington Baptist be a church, a church of yours filled with radical love, filled with redeeming hearts, filled with a radical desire to let the world know that we serve a living, resurrected Lord. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Happy Easter today.